Hi, my name is Remo Fernandez, and I'm very happy to be in the spotlight with Sandhya. It's a fangirl moment of sorts for me, as I've long been an admirer of the guest on today's show. He's in a class of his own as a musician, and over the years, he's emerged also as a conscience keeper of the country. I'm very excited to bring you Remo Fernandes all the way from Porto, Portugal. Hi, Remo. It's a pleasure being here, really. All the way from Porto, Portugal, like you said. <laughs> Remo's created very peppy, sensuous, memorable, and happy music. His flute song, Maria Pitache, the title song of Jalva, Hamma from Bombay, are some of my personal favorites. But the topic of discussion on today's show are the songs that he's written inspired by Mother Teresa. So, Remo, tell us what inspired you to write this music. And you actually went on to write a whole opera, right? Tell us how you yeah. went about it. Well, how it actually happened is that uh, about 30 years ago, can you imagine this? 30 years ago, I had done a show in Calcutta. And my return flight at that time, there was a monopoly of Indian Airlines. My return flight was cancelled unceremoniously, like they used to do in those days. And I had an extra day in Calcutta. I had already seen the sights of the city. I didn't know what to do with my extra day. When it struck me, hey, this is the city of Mother Teresa. You know, let me go and visit her or, or, or her home, rather. The 70 plus you know, young lady came running down these rickety steps and... Uh, then looking straight into my eyes with a smile and she caught my hand in both of hers. I can't explain what I felt at that moment. And at that moment, a thought came to me. I had not thought about this before. I said, Mother, I, I would love to compose a song for you. And I would love uh, all the royalties of that song to be my small little contribution towards your work. I don't want to interview you for the song or anything. Just this one minute in your presence will be enough of an inspiration. And she smiled and she said, wonderful son, do it, but do it with love. Do it with love for Jesus. I have to admit that I'm not capable of feeling love for just one religion and one God, you know. So I decided in my mind that I would do it out of love for Mother Teresa. Out of love for the great love that she has in her heart, which is universal. And on the way back to Goa, I, who had never written more than one song a day, I wrote three or four songs on the plane from Calcutta to Goa. Lyrics, music, everything, you know, ready in my head. Came to Goa and I started recording the songs and I needed, uh, you know, very special singers because the songs turned out to be, uh, you know, they had to be attributed to certain characters, actually. One was to be sung by Mother Teresa herself. One was to be sung by the Pope. One was to be sung by the Mother Superior from the Loreto Convent in Calcutta. And one was to be by a character that I invented, a guy whom I called, you know, the slum bum. He represented all that was horrible and terrible in the slums. And I looked for the right singers in Goa. I found good singers, but singers in Goa did not have any theatrical experience at that time, you know. So... I put it aside because it wasn't satisfying me. Uh, I put the project aside and I told myself, oh, I'll record it when, you know, when I get, when I can get all my theater friends from Bombay to, to, to sing these songs. 
and and that happened to be a very very busy time in my life it became busier still with omeri muni coming out and you know and before i knew it 27 years had gone by you know without me you know completing or, or even working again on that project in the meanwhile mother teresa passed away and it's only when i came when i moved to portugal porto that uh, it struck me that you know maybe now is the time to do it and i went back to record those four songs just four songs and before i knew it one song led to another and the whole thing became uh, a 27 piece a 27 song opera you know from the, from the beginning till the end it was like a story and and i just finished recording it last year and just when i started to promote it and to find to try and find a record company or a theatrical company who would stage it or release it uh yeah the pandemic it, it struck so once again that's being kept uh, aside and uh, i'm going to restart work on uh, on launching it soon interesting story uh, remo and with your permission we'll be able to play some music from the opera for our viewers oh yes please do please do mother i've got something to say and i've got to say it today i think that i have found my way and and i've got to go away agnes you're leaving us mother my real life has begun there are hearts to be won oh my family I I want to be a nun a nun I don't much care forwardly for I'm going to talk on where they need me She's going I'm going to make my life worth this while She's going I'm going to talk on where they can use She's me She's each and every cent rupee euro dollar which comes in from the sales of the mother teresa opera are going directly to the poorest of the poor i'm not uh, i'm not deducting anything even for my expenditure uh, i recorded it when i came to porto all that took about 3 years of work after i resumed work and i used a professional studio here to you know to master the whole thing and and without any deductions all the sales are going to the poorest of the poor there are 35 singers on it and uh, from all over the world india america europe uk everywhere and they've all sung for free they've all sung for free because this is a genuinely charitable project absolutely charitable and you handle the entire music you know the composer yes i wrote i wrote all the lyrics i wrote all the music and i recorded all the instruments i sequenced and played live as well guitars and flutes and recorded all the music myself and then i went and i searched for the right singers this time i found them now it's ready i was looking at your whole uh, collaborative uh, history and i been yeah. seeing that uh, obviously your work with composers like rehman and many others you also performed with the internationally a famous musicians from bands such as tal from led zeppelin 
from Queen. Obviously, they influenced your music, but I'm more interested in knowing whether you gave them the go and vibe. Well, uh, I don't really think so. You know, I have to be very honest here. I'm not an international superstar like they are. They are in truly international superstars. So the whole world is influenced by their music. They played with me one time. It does not mean that they keep on hearing my music the way we hear their music all over the world. You know? So I don't think they got influenced by my Goan vibe, no. Uh, you know, we in India like to, like to think that as soon as we do a concert abroad, we are international. I don't live under that delusion, no. Because we are known, when we do concerts abroad, they are attended by Indians abroad. For an Indian to really be able to call himself an international star, he's got to be known by each and every Frenchman in France, by each and every Englishman in England, by each and every you know, Spaniard in Spain, and not only by the Indians in these countries. If we call ourselves international a, 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 little, a little too easily, I think. I don't think I'm an international artist. So obviously, neither Tal nor Queen nor uh, anybody is going to be influenced by my music. No. I was influenced by theirs, as you rightly said, especially by, you know, by Tal when I was a student. Oh, and that led to your interest in picking up the flute, I presume? I guess so. Although the flute was at that time played by Traffic, by another another group called Traffic, even before Jethro Tal. I loved the instrument always. Always feel that the guitar and the flute are like the male and the female of instruments. You know, for me, the guitar is male and the flute is female and they just complement each other so beautifully, the sounds and everything. That sounds really beautiful. The Windflower Results in Spa. Come, take advantage. how you brought in a lot of uh, political statements into some of your music. You know, you've tackled subjects uh, such as communal violence, um, corrupt politicians. interested in knowing at what point did you begin to use music for more than just entertainment? It's a very interesting question, Sandhya, because there was definitely a definite turning point. I finished my studies and I went off to Europe to hitchhike and to travel around as much as I could. So I hitchhiked around Europe and North Africa for two years and I came back and I came back to Goa. When I came back, until then I had been writing songs which were love songs or uh, songs about relationships. You know, those are the topics that I always wrote about. All personal, of course, you know, personal experiences. But when I came back to Goa, I saw the changes that were taking place in Goa. They were subtle at that time and the changes were not all for the better. In fact, hardly any, any change for the better. And that is what started me off writing songs that were, I would call it you know, socio-political satire. Because there was also humor in it, in those songs, you know. I don't know if you've heard Graham Bell, Ode to, to, Ode to Graham Bell, which is a takeoff on a state of telephones in India at that time and still. And so that was the turning point. And that's when I started to write socio-political songs, if you want to call them that. And then after Rajiv Gandhi was assassinated, something really burst inside me or whatever. And I, and I released a whole album called Politicians Don't Know How to Rock and Roll. It was about the dirty game of politics, 
of terrorism, of uh, communalism, exploitation of women. There are many songs about for many such uh, you know strong and political you know topics on that album. That was the turning point. That brings me to the question: uh, Why have you moved to Portugal, and how has it affected your music and your life? Goa was no more, is no more the Goa that I grew up in. And it hurt me too much to see its nature destroyed, you know, to see garbage uh, covering our streets, to see the traffic becoming as unruly as it is in in most parts of India, and to see people from all over India coming, selling, and bringing not the best of their of their cultures with them, but sometimes the worst. I didn't feel at home in India anymore. My parents expired some years ago. My marriage ended a few years ago. So, so now there was nothing to tie me, you know, down to go. All these years, I had ties. I had personal ties. Now suddenly, I found that I didn't have that many ties. Goa itself was the greatest tie for me. That itself had snapped. So I decided that I would. I didn't have to live in a place which I saw being destroyed day by day by day by more and more. You know, it was very depressing. So I decided to move to a place which resembled the Goa that I grew up in, in cleanliness, in warmth, in respect, in order and discipline in the streets, in honesty and lack of corruption. I know that there's corruption everywhere in the world. Of course, wherever there are humans, there will be corruption. But there's a, dif- but there's a difference between 2% corruption and 98% corruption in some other place. You know? You know, there are degrees of corruption. Over here, I can walk into a government office as long as I have all my documents. I walk out half an hour later with whatever I want without having to even think of bribing or, uh, or, or begging of someone to, to, you know, to do his duty. It's his duty. They do their duty. And, uh, but I have not moved permanently. I spend like half the year in Portugal and the other half in Goa, which is still my home, sweet home. Although now home is becoming, is restricted more and more to my actual physical house and the compound and garden. It's only inside there that I feel at home. I step out and I'm in a public street where again, like I say, I see garbage. I see people not following any traffic rules. It's sad. It's sad to see the deterioration of a place is very sad. To see improvement is lovely. But to see deterioration, it's like seeing... A mother whom I love so much, you know, deteriorating and dying day by day. Uh, it's depressing. To add to your depression, let me tell you, it's become worse now. Now, Goa has opened its borders to tourists from oh, yeah. around India. Everybody's yeah. packed their bag and, like you said, taken the worst of their nature and behavior there. And exactly. Yeah, they don't care about the health or well-being of the locals. They're going around oh, without yeah. masks and talking at the top of their voices, which is very sad. Very, very sad. Let's move on to a more interesting subject, very interesting for me and all the viewers. You've been working on your autobiography for a while now, Rimo. Yes, I have, yes. Tell me what we can expect to read in it and when will it be seen, you know, the light of day, when is it going to be published? You can expect as much honesty as possible. That's what uh, it is. It's, it's almost like a, like a purge, you know, writing a biography. It's a wonderful experience. Number one, it makes you go through your own life, which is a fantastic exercise. I would advise everybody to do it, you know, whether you're a famous person who's going to be published or whether you're doing it for yourself. 
I think it's a great psychiatric experience, you know, writing your own autobiography. And uh, I'm trying to be as honest as possible because we always, you know, I compare it to the face we make in front of a mirror. Mm -hmm. We have a normal face when we're walking by. Suddenly we see a reflecting surface, you know, whether we are on a footpath or anywhere. And when we see that, our face changes. You know, it's not a smile really, but that's the way that we imagine ourselves to be. So we look at that reflection in a certain way. And that's why when someone takes a photograph of us when we are not aware, we say, ah, this is not me. But, but that is us. That is the us that everybody sees normally. The other one, the other face that we make when we know that we're being looked at is a face that only we uh, know or that we imagine our face to be. I don't want my autobiography to be that face, you know, that I make in front of a mirror. I want it to be the other face. I'm trying and I'm trying my best. I'm not saying that I'm 100% successful at being 100% honest, but I'm trying. And for the second part of your question, uh, the plan is for it to be out uh, by next Christmas. So one more year. I'm happy, very thrilled to say that I've got very keen offers from two of the top publishers in the country, in India. So tell me whenever it's going to be ready because I'm going to pre-book my copy as soon as I hear it. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Really? We did something together many years ago, right? Yes. I interviewed you for the Best yeah. of Goa Coffee Table book. And you, we have a lovely photograph of you playing the flute, which was taken in oh. your home. And uh, you also played a very big role in the release of the book, because along with Mario Miranda, you did the honors at the Taja Guada. Yes. I remember that. I remember that, yes. It was a beautiful romantic evening. It was gorgeous. I hope you enjoyed listening to this very special episode of Spotlight with Sandhya featuring the iconic musician Remo Fernandez. You can also view the video of this interview on the Rain Tree Media channel on YouTube. And don't forget to check out our blog. Thank you, viewers. And thank you, Sandhya. All the best. Flowers out since far. Come, take advantage.